Welcome to American Road Trip Talk, where you meet the people behind the stories in American Road Magazine. I'm your host, Foster Brown. Like any good fish story, the tale of the National Freshwater Fishing Museum, located in the wooded Lakeland area of northwestern Wisconsin, is about a big one that didn't get away. In this second of two parts, Emmett Brown, the museum director, gives some of the vision and mission behind the Hall of Fame. It's very much about protecting our valuable fish stocks and educating the public about ways to keep our freshwater resources healthy. Emmett even has a story about the big one that got away from him deliberately. For a full article on the museum and a collection of photos, check out our winter 2014 issue of American Road Magazine. Today's interview is brought to you by the Illinois Route 66 Scenic Byway, where the mother road begins. From famous roadside restaurants to hidden gems, Route 66 in Illinois offers a journey back in time. I had the pleasure of talking with Mr. Emmett Brown, who is the director of the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame in Hayward, Wisconsin. Now, I know you do a fair amount of education as well, um, that you, you try to help with the conservation effort, which is at the top of every sportsman's list, right. there's got to be conservation. So talk a little bit about that. We promote uh, water water quality on a, on, a continuing, on a continuing basis, both on our website and, of course, at the hall. Uh, uh, during the hours of operation, uh, we run numerous uh, kids' programs uh, all summer long at the hall, teaching them how to fish and, and uh, identifying uh, various... Um, um, uh, various, you know, the, the, the different uh, and varied uh, fish species. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we get involved in, in, in local comp- conservation efforts uh, as well as national conservation e- efforts. Um, mm-hmm. we, we also have a library, uh, a, oh. a library that is open to... Uh, um, uh, to, to the public, it, it's, it has to be on an appointment basis, but sure. uh, we have a lot of members in the media use our library to, uh, uh, to do research and, and um, not only research um, um, issues, but uh, articles about, um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. past writers and historical items and, and things like that. So. Well- I know there's somebody who recognizes both the anglers and the fish themselves. Right. You've got to be concerned that there are some species of fish which are being endangered in our Great Lake areas, for instance, right. and around the world and around the country as well. Mm-hmm. First of all, let's talk a little bit. What are some of the ones that are at risk right now that you guys are concerned about at the museum in terms of ones that are in danger of disappearing, perhaps? Uh, most recently, from a standpoint of of of, of, of maintaining our, our our water quality, it would be um, uh, we've been helping out quite a bit with both uh, state and federal and uh, local authorities to prevent the spreading of um, of Eurasian milfoil throughout. Uh, throughout the upper Midwest. It, it has become a big... Abbott, uh, explain a little bit for the readers and, and listeners what uh, the, uh, the milfoil is. It's a plant, right? Milfo- it's, it's a plant that, uh, that, that um, came from Europe and Eurasia, and uh, it came in, of course, through the, through the Great Lakes, like so much. We need that commerce. Uh, we need that industry in the Great mm-hmm. Lakes, but there is a downside to it, and the yeah. downside are, are these... Uh, these exotic species. Yeah, the invasive species that are coming. Oh, I think of the uh, the mussels that came in, the zebra mussels. Mussels, the gobies. Right. Uh, Has the problem been, uh, I have heard it said before, and maybe you can confirm this, that the problem is the dumping of ballast 
from that's these. Exactly, uh, that's exactly what happens. Ballast is what helps keep the boats upright in the water, and they use water to do that. But it's water brought from other sources that has exactly. strange plant life in it, strange fish. And when they just dump that, flush that into the Great Lakes right. as part of sailing there, they dump all that invasive species in. And some of them have really become, uh, have taken over natural habitats, which has got to be a big concern. Now, Abbott, I'm just concerned. I mean, I'm interested. It's a freshwater fishing hall of fame. There's freshwater all over the world. Do you also right. have a, a, an international scope? We do. Uh, we have recognized, uh, and we do have a kind of a clumsy name, I'll admit. Uh, I'd like, but it's a name I inherited, and, and I have to at least keep it temporarily. We do have a, um, a foreign records category and fish caught and, and, and we recognize freshwater species that are that are not familiar or native to North America but we have numerous um, entries in that part of our record book as well from places uh, you know from from Southeast Asia Southwest Asia we've even had some some soldiers and um, stationed in Southwest Asia right now that have and uh, what limited free time they have they've been able to go out and fish a little bit and they've uh, Entered some of these, brought some of these fish to my attention, taken some pictures, and we've recognized some of that. But all throughout Africa and 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 even Europe as well, uh, Finland and, and Ireland and, and Sweden, so on and so forth. It's limited record keeping. It's not nearly as extensive as our North American record keeping, but. Uh, and we have recognized um, uh, international contributors to sport fish, to freshwater sport fishing as well. First and foremost, perhaps, is Laurie Rappel, the creator of the uh, oh yes of the, of the Rappel, of course. Okay, where is he from? He's from Finland. Ah. And his uh, uh, back around 1960, uh, a couple of um, of entrepreneurs from from Minnesota. Um, well, of course, yeah. heard about yeah, of course, heard about these uh, these lures that were that were kept, the GIs that brought some of them back uh, uh, in the in the mid 40s, uh, and they were they circulated a little bit throughout North America. So finally, about 1960, um, these uh, Ray Ostrom and, and Ron Weber from Minnesota contacted Lori Rapala. In, in Finland and said, we'd like you to uh, start uh, making lures for Americans. Wow, and, uh, that, and that's become a huge, huge name. And it's, I mean, it, that minnow-like lure changed the face of freshwater sport fishing. And it's fascinating. Speaking of these lures, you also have an incredible display of historic lures, too. We ha- Yeah, all totaled in our museum on our seven acres, we have about 100,000 um, sport fishing artifacts. Wow. About half of that are, are lures. Lures uh, from, you know, the big five, Shakespeare, South Bend, mm. Fluger, Hedden, there's oh, a creek chub. Uh, and, of course, all the lesser companies as well. I think every fisherman in their life at one time or another probably thought about becoming a lure maker or, sure. or a bait carver and, yeah. and probably did something at some point. And, and we have a sample of most of those. Uh, so it's a museum, really, for a lot of those, uh, I imagine, in poles and reels and things like that as well that you show there. Poles, reels, and all the other, you know, minnow trap, bait bucket, just everything associated to uh, freshwater sport. We're talking with Emmett Brown, who is the director of the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame. And uh, Emmett, maybe just let me wrap this up with uh, this question. I know that this has become, freshwater fishing has become an enormous sport. Fishing has enormous sport. It's got its own channels. <laughs> it has right. its own programs. It's Huge sports programs. How has that affected the museum and and freshwater fishing in general? Well, 
First of all, sport fishing is is probably the not probably it is the largest um, participatory sport uh, in the world. Certainly in North America, not everybody everybody would like to play a little football, but they don't. <laughs> yeah. You know, so on and so forth. But yeah. everybody can, yep. and it, and it does. And and does at some level fishes a little bit. Whether it's drowning a worm or it's uh, you got you know, it. casting uh, some I'm elegant sure. lure. Exactly. So it, it's a huge participatory sport throughout the world, and we're right in the center of promoting right. that. That is our our mission is is the promotion of freshwater sport fishing. In a nutshell. You also said at the beginning that in some ways you grew up as kind of being the referee for the bragging rights. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's what uh, uh, scorekeeping is all about. Yeah. Uh, you are the official scorekeepers then when somebody's got the, the largest. We are the official scorekeeper of the freshwater's uh, sport fishing records. Yeah. What kind of fishing do you like? Well, I like the musky fish a little bit, of course, uh, since I live in Hayward uh, now. But uh, I also love the bass fish, particularly smallmouths. Uh, uh, Pound for pound, I know it's a shop-worn expression, but pound for pound, nothing fights like a smallmouth yeah. bass. And, and I love the fish for them, especially in the spring and May and June. It's um, There's not many more things that I would rather do than that. Do you get to, you get to, to wet a lure every now and then? Every once in a while. I sneak <laughs> out, uh, you know, I... <laughs> I don't play too much hooky, but uh, uh, you know I try to get out. You know, a couple times, a, a couple evenings a, uh, a week. And so does, it's does enough. Does a sign in your door say "Gone Fishing"? No, but because uh, I do have to keep up appearances. But, uh, because about the time you put signs up like that. Then, I should, I know, but I don't. Uh, that's all right. Well, Emmett Brown, thank you so much for being with us uh, and uh, sharing about the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, which is in Hayward, Wisconsin. And uh, we'll also be posting the email address, pardon me, we'll also be posting the website, which is uh, an excellent one to give you some idea of what's going on there, give you directions and any other kind of information you need. Uh, maybe as a, as a final, final thing, do you have any uh, special kind of uh, interesting memories or something like that you want to share? One of the most interesting mem- memories, of course, uh, that I remember the first muskie I ever threw back, meaning uh, caught and then released, and it was kind of, uh, uh, well, it, was, it wasn't planned. It wasn't a mistake, of course, but it was not planned. Long story short is I was, I was on this river trip. It was a kind of a one-way deal. You, once you start, you got to finish it, and, and I caught, a, a this was mid-60s, about a, about a 30, 31-inch muskie. It was... Mm-hmm. It was. It, I could have kept it uh, if I wanted, uh, because the size limit back then was 30 inches. But I wanted to keep. But if I kept it, uh, I'd, I'd have to stop fishing for the day. And, I, and this was at nine o'clock in the morning, nine thirty, whatever <laughs> oh, it was. Oh dear, no! And I, we had to do this. We were committed to go through this river trip. So, and I didn't bring any other tackle with me. I was mm-hmm. either muskies or nothing else. But so I, you know, we looked at it and said, "Oh, it's a nice fish. It's a." <laughs> And threw it back, and and then I um, kept fishing. And by the way, I didn't catch another fish all day. <laughs> and uh, but we got back to the to the lodge uh, that night, and and everybody at at the lodge couldn't believe I actually threw one of those things back. <laughs> there are people that fish, you know. Uh, you know, all week, and, yeah, and you yeah. never catch one. And believe it, and I and actually out of the uh, this was uh, in July or August or something like that. There had been. Um, Oh, you know, maybe 20, 30, or 40 different muskies caught uh, uh, by lodge people, uh, lodge guests uh, so far that year. And, and that was the only one up to that point that oh. had been thrown back. That got me on the path to uh, 
to throwing fish back. I don't... Uh, let me just quickly talk about the whole philosophy behind catch and release. Well, the, ca- the principle behind catch, catch and release is that um, it's too valuable of a resource, whether it's a, uh, a muskie, pike, bass, bluegill, uh, walleye, whatever, to just catch once. Good stewards of the, uh, of the resource uh, realized after a long, you know, uh, after a long time that we are, we're our own worst enemy in a lot of cases. Uh, we were harvesting too much. Don't get me wrong, I am not against selective harvest. I believe mm-hmm. in harvest. Mm-hmm. I believe in, in putting some of these fish we catch on the table and eating them. That's our role. But we also have to be good stewards. We have to protect the resource. And perhaps the best way, we, besides um, keeping the water quality in good shape, is uh, to allow these fish to be caught uh, multiple times, and they are. Muskie fishery, for example, is improving because of catch and release. Bass fishermen were throwing their fish back before the muskie fishermen were, and bass fishing has never been as good as it is right now throughout most most of North America, and it's because of catch and release. The walleye fishermen are just starting to find this out now. Emmett, thank you. You've been very generous with your uh, time with us, and I want to thank you so much for being a Mr. Emmett Brown, who is the director of the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame. We wish you much success, and thanks for, for being with us on American Road Trip Talk. Thank you. Our interview about the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame in Haywood, Wisconsin, was brought to you by the Illinois Route 66 Scenic Byway, where the mother road begins. From famous roadside restaurants to hidden gems, Route 66 in Illinois offers a journey back in time. You've been listening to another edition of American Road Trip Talk, where we introduce you to the people and places behind the articles in American Road Magazine. Please subscribe to our regular podcast interviews through iTunes or your favorite podcast application. And visit us at AmericanRoadMagazine.com for more information about the magazine, trip itinerary suggestions, fun contests, and a whole lot more. Until we meet again on the American Road, this is Foster Brown reminding you that the joy is in the journey.